0: as you return back to your seats just grab hold of somebody encourage someone today encourage someone today let somebody in this place know God is good let them know they're blessed Hallelujah. have you sensed God this week calling you out of your comfort zone anyone sensed that God has been, been nudging me Pushing me, calling me out of out of my comfort zone. Here's all I've got to say to that. You're welcome. Yeah. I didn't do it. I just forewarned you. I, did, I just let you know what God is God is doing. I want to I show you something real quick. This this really blessed me because uh, if you've ever felt like uh, you were out of your comfort zone, you're not alone. But I appreciate when people just you know what this this isn't me, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Tiana, give, give him that quick little video. This guy this guy really blessed me. there's no limits inside him because he lives within Okay. every limitation hold keep exceeding the limits until he comes back okay now maybe just maybe that should have happened come on somebody Hello. Right, and yet it did it did God called him out God called him out of his comfort zone and he said all right Lord I'll do what you need me to do why because there's no limits with Jesus when you walk I don't know what he said but yeah there it was wow if you have your Bibles with me, Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, I'm going to just read, just give you a quick uh, review from last week and then we're going to kind of jump ahead. Thank you worship team to Judges 7, but Judges 6 here, Judges 6, 12 says, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, remember Gideon was in hiding, he was hiding, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and the angel said, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Just in case you weren't here last week, I just want to remind you what we set forward. God calls us what he will make us. Come on, somebody. Can you just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you call me how you see me and not how I see me. Thank you, Lord. He calls us what he will make us. So he calls Gideon a mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Now remember, Gideon's terrified. He's, He's in hiding. But God says, I'm going to use you to destroy your enemies. Here's what happens in verse 15. Gideon responds, but Lord... How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Come on, we've all given them to God. And and I love what God says back to Gideon. He says, I will be with you. If you need a key to success, there it is. I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against just one man. Now, let me get personal for just a moment. Personally, I can relate to getting this inferiority complex. I, I understand what it means to not feel like you're good enough. Can anyone just preach me on for a moment? That, that I. I I felt unqualified. Come on, in. and and I felt unworthy, and and I felt inferior, and and, and I felt less than. And, and at least I appreciate this about Gideon. At least he he's willing and brave enough to acknowledge his own insecurities. Why? Because you cannot overcome what you ignore. Okay. I, 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 there's problems in my life, God. There's issues in my life, and, and you need to know this. You will never overcome what you act like isn't there. Gideon's brave enough to say, I've got these insecurities, and so I praise God because Gideon's life is proof of at least this one thing. God can use people who are not perfect. But what God will not use is people we cannot trust. Keep reading with me. What happens in the very next chapter? In the very next chapter, we see that G- Gideon's able to assemble 32,000 men. How did this guy who was the, the least in his tribe, the least in his family, how did he assemble 32,000 fighting men together for, for this battle? I, I don't know how, but, but he did it. But this is where you need to know that God is not looking for perfect people. God is looking for people you can trust. Because look what God says next after Gideon assembles this massive army. Look what God says next. Judges 7 12, uh, 7, 2. Judges 7 2. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. Now, if I'm Gideon, I'm like, God, why didn't you tell me this before I agreed to this? You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. And here's what Israel would say My strength has saved me. My strength has won the victory. I have done this. Look at what the Jamin has done. It would be my strength that would declare, I got this for myself. And so I can only imagine getting, feeling a bit dumbfounded, if not downright freaked out when God says, you have too many men. What? See, sometimes God intentionally withholds information from us. It's on a need-to-know basis, not a want-to-know basis. Oh, you don't believe me? You don't read your Bible. Ask Abraham. Hey, take your son Isaac and go up to the mountaintop to worship me. Okay? And once you get up there, sacrifice him to me. What? A need-to-know basis. Because you're not going to kill your son. I've already got a ram in the bushes. Just do what I said. You, you, you don't believe that God gives us a, information on a need-to-know basis? Think, think about Moses. Think about it. Just go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go so they can come worship me. He had no idea Pharaoh was going to put up a massive fight. And now 10 plagues got to come before Pharaoh finally lets them go. You don't think God gives you information on a need-to-know basis? Think about the 12 apostles. Get in the boat. I'll see you on the other side. And here comes this massive storm. And there's Jesus walking on the water. And we're freaking out. What? A need-to-know basis with this information? How about just the apostle Paul Every missionary journey he went on, he went because the Spirit of God led him. He had no idea he was going to get beaten and thrown in prison and mistreated time and time and time again. Something about my God just withholding this information. But here's what I do know about God. He's not giving me incomplete information. He's giving me incremental information. Need-to-know basis. Come on, think about it. If God told you Everything today about what he's going to do tomorrow. How many of you would have said yesterday to his tomorrow? If God told me everything that, that, that he's called me to do and everything I was going to have to go through to fulfill that calling, I'd probably be like, peace out, homie. I don't need all that in my life. I've, I've, got a, I've got enough issues. I've got enough problems. I've got, a, I've got enough pain. I, I don't need all that. Come on, are there any honest people that can say, if I really knew all that God was going to let me go through, I probably would have been like, mm, pick somebody else, Lord. That, that, that's, that's not for me. Which leads me to this, my first principle. i got four of them for you. Principle number one. This is why we must learn to value the way and not just value the win. <clears throat> We love to win, but the value must not be placed on the win. The value has, we have to learn to place the value on, on, on the way. Okay? God tells Gideon, you're going to defeat your enemies and you're going to win. Just not in the way you thought. You thought you and 32,000 men were going to win this victory. Sure, you're going to win, but not the way you thought. Because if God lets you win the way you think, you're going to start believing you're the one responsible your victory. Come on, come on. Subsequently, here's here's what's going to happen. And then in future battles, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go out in your own strength. I I won it last time. I'll I'll do it again. I'm going to pull a Samson. I'll I'll, I'll just shake myself and and break these cords again. And I'm going to think it's my own ingenuity and my own creativity and my my own intellect, if you will. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to win again and I'm going to forget. Guess what? I didn't win it the first time. What makes you think that I'm going to win it This time, we must learn to value the way. See, when God's people win in life, the win doesn't make us a winner. You're already a winner. Think Think about David. He goes out to fight Goliath. He's not a warrior the moment he kills Goliath. He was a warrior long before Goliath ever came on the scene. David killed the lion, and and he killed the bear. Defeating Goliath just exposed David to everybody else. Oh, now everyone else knows he's a winner because he's always been one. They just didn't know it. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you stopped losing in life, and you started on a trajectory towards winning. Jesus is the reason I win. I'm a winner because of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph. In Jesus Christ so I must learn to value the way God does things and not the win in my life because all the wind does is just expose me hey you're, you're a winner hey look at you you're a champion yeah but I always knew that I, I, I always knew that the wind exposes me but the way forges me it, it builds me it corrects me and I believe that God lets us go through his way because he's trying to produce his work in our lives. And that's why God will take you down the long road when you wanted a shortcut. Come on, that's why God will call you to enter the narrow gate when you would prefer the wide gate and the, and the broad road that leads to destruction. Next verse, 7 3, Judges. So God says this He says, Tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid, they can leave this mountain and go home. And 22,000 of them went home. Leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. God says, if you're afraid, go back home. Now, come on, I'm getting. I'm the moment I hear them, I'm like, there ain't no sissies here. Nah, we men. We manly men. We men in tights. Y'all remember that we men in tights? We manly men. It was hilarious. If you ever saw. We manly men. Ain't no sissies here. Ain't no punks here. Nah. And 22,000 of them punk out. I get it. They just bounce. They're gone. 22,000 of them. Here's what this tells me. You don't know who's really with you until they have the option to leave you. Oh, I could hang out here all day, Pastor Bethel. I don't really know who's with me until they can have a choice to not be with me. Okay? Look at at verse 4. So Gideon, the Lord says to Gideon, he says, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. Listen to me. You can't take people where they're not ready to go. You just can't do it. Here's why. Because when it's time to fight, guess what they're going to be doing? You're going to be seeing their backside as they're running away. You, you have to learn this, and I had to learn this the hard way. The people that I've lost along the way weren't really a loss. Okay? They just left because they weren't ready. I'm just trying to help somebody out here today, Miss Autumn. That's all I'm trying to do. I, I thought they didn't like me. I, I thought I wasn't good enough. I, I, they turned their back. No, they, they had to leave because they weren't ready for what God was going to do. And in this battle, you do not have time to worry about your enemies and your friends. So sometimes it's not a loss. Sometimes they just have to leave. Thank God for that. Which leads me to my second principle. If that's true, then we must learn to submit to God's election. God tells Gideon, the reason I'm going to pick the right people for you is because you have no idea what this battle really requires. So I will handpick them. I will thin them out for you. Take them down to the water. Because I need you to see who focuses only on their desires and who's actually ready. And attentive. Look at verse five. So Gideon took his warriors down to the water as God told them, and the Lord said, "Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup the water in their hands and lap it like a dog. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. You know, just just ankle deep, waist deep, all the way in, right? Just get." Divide them into those two groups. Th- those, who, those who will cup it but are tentative. And those who only care about their only desires because they're thirsty. Because they thirsty. It's because they th- they so thirsty. The only thing they're focused on is quenching their thirst. Come on, you do some crazy things when you're thirsty. Come on, I, this is a thirsty generation, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. <laughs> Come on, when you're thirsty for company, company, you don't choose right. When you're thirsty for a man, you don't choose right. Oh, God, when you're thirsty for friends, you don't choose right. I'm trying to help somebody here today. This is how you you have to learn to submit to God's election. Because you're thirsty, you want a companion, you want a buddy, you want somebody to hang with. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to take all your money and all your time and then they're going to leave you someday. But you're thirsty. So you just go all the way in without even paying attention to your surroundings. And God says, separate these people. That's what the waters always do. The waters always separate anyway, don't they? That's why some of you refuse to get baptized, because you don't want to be fully committed to God. Because the waters separate. What's his and what's not. And, and, and so God says, take them down to the water and, and, and let them let them." Choose for themselves because they're all thirsty, but let them choose how they, how they want to go about quenching that thirst. Some of you, you have given up your integrity, your anointing, your calling, even your salvation because you were thirsty. Literally, you, you've, you're thirsty for an opportunity, and so you chose wrong. You were you, you thirsty for Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, and instead you settled for Mrs. Right now. just thirsty. God says, all right. They'll separate themselves. I just need you to see it, Gideon. See who only cares about their desires and see who's actually ready for the battle. Verse 6, only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down. 9,700 men got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. I can't even imagine that. I mean, it's probably not that hard to pick out the 300 at that point. All these dudes just face first in the water. Then the Lord says to Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send everybody else home. Now if I'm getting them one more time, like, okay, time out bro. Firstly you pulled me out of my, my hiding spot to tell me I'm going to win a victory. Then you let me assemble an army of 32,000. Woo, okay. We got some good numbers on our side. But then you tell me, send home all those who are sissies. And so I sent them home. Now I've got 10,000 left. Well, the odds aren't really in my favor anymore, but I, we can still win this. And then you make me boot 9,700 of them. And tell me I'm going to win it with just 300? Why, God? Why reduce me all the way down to this? Has God ever removed you from a place where your confidence was in numbers so he can move you into a place where your confidence is only in one? Pastor Bethel was sharing this earlier, but... He had a good job. He was doing great, excelling. He was the reason the company was in existence. And then just like that, it was gone. Have you ever been reduced to a place where I can no longer have confidence in my numbers? I've only got confidence in one. Just one. This message today is for somebody who's been reduced. This message is for somebody who who feels like, I don't have what I used to have. My confidence has been shaken. My, 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 the will and the drive, it's, the passion, it's just not there. I, I no longer feel s- strong. I no longer feel secure. I, 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 I no longer look at myself in the mirror and say, I can do all things through Christ. I, this message is for somebody who feels reduced because I need you to know it's in your moments of weakness that God looks at you and he says this according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. My grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. It's because you're only going to see my perfect power in your moments of complete weakness. I came to remind somebody in this place today God has got you feeling reduced because you're about to see the grandeur of His power and His greatness in your life. Getting to this place now. We got 300 men left. Do you? Maybe you don't get this, but God needs you to understand that you don't have to know the how before you obey. Wait, wait, how are we going to win this victory? No, just take the 300 men and go win it. Time out. Flagrant foul on God. I don't like this. No, God, this is wrong. This this should not be playing out this way. And how many of us have missed out on a great victory because we needed the how before we obeyed? God says, I don't need you to understand how I'm going to do things. I just need you to obey, and then I'll show you the how. I heard a said like this one time. When I do as God told me, it will be as God told me. It's really simple. This is not about you getting clarity, this is about you being obedient. What has God told you to do? Obey! Obey. Oh Lord, this is not going over very well. (laughs) We hate these messages about obedience because we like our independence. And as long as your confidence remains in your numbers or in your strength or in your ability or your anointing, you might win one victory but it wasn't you that won it. God gave you that victory. And in the next battle, when you start to lose, you're going to be mad at God because how come you ain't coming through this time? Because you totally forgot. You put your confidence in numbers. You put your confidence in men. Not in God. Look at verse 8 with me, verse 8. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home. But he kept the 300. And here's what they did. Look what they did. They took the provisions... And the trumpets of the other 9,700. Wait, what? Why keep the provisions and trumpets of 10,000 when you only have 300? Oh. Oh. Because God can do more with the right 300 than you ever can with the wrong 10,000. Oh, well, that makes sense. Okay, I got it. Some actually told me one time, they said, Pastor, you've got the gift of goodbye. You know, they were right. I just didn't catch the revelation at first. But I, 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 after talking with them, I understood what it meant. Here's what, here's what they meant. They meant when people leave me, I'm just like, goodbye. Yeah. When, 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 when Christians claim that they know better than the Holy Scriptures, bye-bye. Come on, come on. Come on, those people who, who, who God told you to stop sitting in a chair and doing nothing at Impact Church and go sit in a chair and do nothing at another church. I've got the gift of goodbye. I hope I'll see you in heaven. I I, I don't know. I just, I I got this gift and and, and I don't understand it. Here's basically the point. I've had to learn in my life to submit to God's election. If God is going to pull somebody out of my life, then I just need to stop and say, thank you, Lord. You pulled them out of my life before I see why you needed them to come out of my life. Thank you, Lord. I submit to your selection. some point you better start allowing god to pick the people who are in your circle let me say it again at some point in time if you don't start allowing god to pick the people in your circle your circle is going to get really small and really difficult and really complicated and if you don't have the gift of goodbye you're gonna be sitting there crying and whining and fussing at god why'd they leave god why'd they go any cat lovers in the house any cat lovers in the house? Come on, cat lovers. Tiana, you got that picture of them cats, them kitty cats. Come on, cat lovers, come on. Come on, look at all that. Look at my circle of cats. It's my circle. I got them close to me. They're cute and lovable. Kittens are cute, but when it comes to a battle, you don't need cute. Come on, sir. You need some. You you need a bigger cat on your side, if you will. Give give give, the, give them what they really need, Tiana. Give them what they really need. Here's what I need you to know. Sometimes it sometimes it it hurts. To submit to God's election, because God will start severing ties, and God will start removing people and cutting people off, and God will start making you break up with people you thought you needed in your life. But you need to know, with God, a loss is never really a loss. With God, He can do more with less. With God, I don't need an armful of cutes. I need some warriors on my side for the battle that's ahead. With God, three lives is more than 300 kittens with God which leads me to my next point principle number three so we must get a picture of the promise get a picture God had promised Gideon a great victory but Gideon is afraid for his future so what does God give him God gives him a picture Look what happens next. Verse 9. That night, the Lord said, get up. Go down to the Midianite camp for I have given you the victory. There it is. I've given you the victory. Ooh, awesome. But if you are afraid, not if, because God knew he was afraid, okay? Go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Sorry. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling, check this out, verse 13. Gideon arrived just as a Midianite man was telling his friend his dream. Here's what he said. He said, I had a dream. I don't know where that came from. He was saying this different dream, though. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Cool. But look at the interpretation of this dream. It kind of blows my mind. Because I would never have said this. His companion said, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midianite and all of its allies. Where'd he come to that interpretation? Woo! This poor guy's having a dream about a cupcake coming and rolling down and knocking over his tent. But the interpretation is God has given Gideon the son of Joash, the victory. And when Gideon, checks out verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream, he needed a picture of the promise. When he heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and he called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. All right, let me try something. I need a hungry volunteer. Anybody, I need a hungry... Volunteer. Come here, Chris. Come here. Yeah. Uh, hungry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Chris. Come here. Pastor Bethel, can I borrow you for a second? All right, Chris, here's all I need you to do, okay? Can I have you take off your glasses for a second? Take your glasses off. No cheating here, okay? Look forward at the people, okay? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I'm going to have Pastor Bethel just make sure your eyes are, are covered. There we go. Put your hands out in front of you, sir. Like, just cup them in front of you. There we go. Right? right just like that. There we go. Ah, there we go. Like you're going to receive something, okay? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to describe something to you, and you're going to tell me what it is, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. It comes from a wonderful place called McDonald's. (laughs) Close. Let me keep going. It's fluffy and soft, prayerfully delicious. It's baked with real blueberries, and it has this kind of strudel crumble topping on the top. What am I, what, what am I describing? Blueberry muffin. A blueberry muffin. You can see it in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. You can see, can you taste it in your mouth? Yeah, kinda? Yeah. Uh, because Chris, if you can get a picture in your mind, you can receive the promise in your life. Oh, this is the whole thing of walking by faith, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about what I can see with my eyes. It's what I believe with my heart. I'm getting a picture of the promise. This 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 poor midnight has a dream, Chris, and all he sees is, is a blueberry muffin rolling down the hill and taking out his, his allies. But the Bible lets us know God was given getting a picture of His promise, and this is why Satan tries so hard to monopolize what you see with your eyes. And that's why you're caught up always scrolling on social media. This is why you are always binge watching on Netflix. This is why you are reading literally secular literature, your romance now. He's trying to monopolize what you are seeing with your eyes. He's trying to keep you dominated, if you will, by pornography. And he's trying to keep you dominated, if you will, by what you are taking in on your cell phone. And you just need to know this. Satan is okay with you seeing anything else except beginning to see and read and believe for yourself the promises that are right here. But I came to let Satan know, God has given me a picture. He's given me a picture of his promises. And if I I can see it. I can receive it. Come on, give Chris some love today. That's yours, sir. Enjoy. You might need this so you can actually see it. A picture of the promise. When I was a kid, we didn't have impact kids. We sat on the front row from birth. Oh God. This is why some of you won't come to church right now. I can't bring my baby again. kid. That kid is crazy. So praise the Lord. We have a nursery. And impact kids. Ooh. But when I was growing up, kids' church was the adult church. It was all one and the same. And I would sit there, and I, my grandfather was my, was my first pastor. My grandpa could preach for hours. And grandpa would be going in just preaching and preaching and preaching. And while I sat under his anointed preaching, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? At a young age, I was no longer listening. I began to see myself doing what my grandfather was doing. You just need to rejoice that I don't preach as long as my grandfather (laughs) preached. Come on, somebody. And here's what began to happen. I would sit there, but I could see myself doing it. I was getting a picture, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, long before you ever sat in Impact Church, Pastor Olga and I saw this thing before you were in it. I saw myself blessed. I saw myself with a family. I saw myself doing full-time ministry. I'd be carrying mail up and down the streets of Aurora. But I knew one day I won't be doing this anymore. One day I would do the Work of my Father in heaven and that alone. I could see it before I received it. The point is, what was God showing you? what he's always been showing us? He's been giving us a picture of the promise. Let me see it here, here, before I have it here. My question is, how do you see yourself? Do you only see your sorrow? Do you only see your pain? Do you only see your losses? Do you only see your disappointments and your failures? Because if that's all you see, then guess what? Your life is likely headed in the direction that you see. This is all I can see. and My life is headed that way. But let me ask you this. What begins to happen when you get a picture of the promise? What happens when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you? What are the people in this place today? You can see yourself free. Come on, where are the people in this place you can see yourself healed? Healed in my body, healed in my mind, healed in my heart, healed them. Where are the people today that you can see yourself not just sitting, but fulfilling the calling of God? Where are the people in this place you're not just gonna be listening to someone preach, you see yourself proclaiming the gospel. Maybe it's not from behind this pulpit, but I can see myself winning the masses to Jesus. Where are the people that can see themselves I'm poor now, I'm broke now but I see myself so successful and so blessed, I will be blessed to be a blessing I can see it I can see it which to my last point this is where I'm going to close principle number four they won't tell you to do this so much probably in school, but I will learn the usefulness of copy control C. Letter, And paste. Learn the usefulness. What is this computer class? I'm talking about the scriptures. Copy this word and paste it on your hearts. Paste it on your walls. Copy this truth and paste it everywhere you go. Come on hungry people how many times a day do you walk to the refrigerator even when you're not paste it right where you go. Copy and paste what God says about you. And let me just give it to you just like this. Here's what God says about you. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made in my eyes. God says you are anointed and you have a purpose in my eyes. God says you are forgiven and redeemed in my eyes. God says you are a new creation in my eyes. God says you are more than a conqueror through through him who loves you in my eyes. God says you are chosen and holy and dearly loved in my eyes. God says you are seated, not here on earth. You are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. God says this to you today. He says you are my masterpiece. This is how I see you. Can you begin to see yourself the way God does? This is why I say copy and paste, ladies and gentlemen. Take these scriptures and copy and paste them so I can begin to see myself the way God sees me. As I close, what I know about God is this. By his very nature, he's a redeemer. Everyone understand what redeem means? He, he buys back. He, he, he takes it back. He exchanges as a redeemer. He He takes your weaknesses and he replaces it with his strength. He takes your sin and he replaces it with his righteousness. He's a a redeemer. We call it the great exchange. And maybe you haven't learned this, but those who have learned it, can you just say amen? I might be broken, but I've been chosen. I I might be flawed, but I am forgiven. I, I, I might be unqualified but I can still be used for the glory of God. Oh yeah, I might not be perfect, but I can be trusted. This is what God is looking for in these last days. So I close with this. Gideon here's all this. And here's what he does in both chapters. In both chapters, he creates a place of worship. In verse... Or chapter 6, verse 24. After God tells him who he is and all the things he's going to do, the Bible tells he builds an altar to God there. And he calls it the Lord is peace. After he sees the picture of the promise from the Midianite's dream, he worships God there. And he declares, God is with me. We're going to have a great victory. Once you hear the truth about what God says about you, That's the place you need to stop and build an altar and worship. Tiana, go back to those list of verses again. I don't think this is coincidence here. See this again with your own eyes. Once you begin to see and hear and believe what God says about you, stop right there and build an altar. Stop right there and worship God. For who he's created you to be. Gideon, you need some real courage. Guess where you're gonna find real courage? Stop right there, build an altar, and worship. I'm not talking about go grab some stones and build an altar, I'm saying stop where you are and realize God is with you. And if his presence is, whew, this is why I've got courage. His presence is with me. This is why I have hope. His presence is with me. This is why I know I'm going to win this battle, because his presence is with me. It's in that moment when I begin to understand God's presence is there. I have a purpose because I have his presence. I have his unfailing love because I have his presence. I I can win this fight because I have his presence. And the Bible tells me that's where I'm going to find the courage for the fight ahead. It's in his presence. All over this room, can you just do me a quick solid and just throw your hand up and say, God, I need your presence. I need your presence. I'm not asking for courage. I'm, I'm not asking for strength. I'm, I'm not asking for joy. I'm not asking for peace. I'm not asking for blessings. I'm not asking for monetary gains. I need your presence. That's what I'm asking for, your presence, Lord. Your presence. I need your presence because it's in your presence that I will find my courage. It's in your presence that I will find my peace. It's in your presence that I will find my authority. It's in your presence that I will find my identity. It's in your presence that I will find the power. It's in your presence that I will receive every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's in your presence. I came to tell somebody right now. Don't let what's wrong with you you stop you from worshiping what is right about your god lift your hands and lift your voice and worship him worship him worship him because he alone is worthy don't be quiet my soul my heart don't be there's a lion inside of me looking to roar today there's a victory inside of me looking to declare today there's something on the inside of me saying i need more of his presence my soul, my soul thirsts after God. Ooh, you want to talk about a thirsty generation? Here's how you quench it: as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after Thee. Stand your feet with me today, and can we just lift our hands? I'm speaking to my soul now, and I'm telling: you, no longer be timid, no longer be afraid. No, there's something powerful that's going to come out of my life if I will stay in his presence. Can you just help me? I've got, I've got two minutes and 20 seconds left. Can you just help me for the next two minutes and 20 seconds? Let's create an altar, a place where we can just worship and just tell God how magnificent and marvelous and wonderful and powerful and faithful he is come on, just for two more minutes, can you just lift your hands and help me create this space and this place of worship. Come on, can you You want to come to this altar? Come on. Let's create a space and a place where I begin to find my real courage. It's in His presence. Come on, let's create a space and a place where I have joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. It's in His presence. Come on, help me create a space and a place where it doesn't matter how many are against me. If God before me who can stand against me somebody in this place come on a minute 30 a minute 30 help me worship the god the worship the god of heaven who is worthy it's not about how i feel it's about who he is i worship you my great god i praise you with all that i am let everything that has breath praise ye the lord Come on, create a place, a place of worship. Come on, just a minute left, just a minute left. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. I've created an altar. I've created an altar, a place where my old self dies, where my fear dies, where my worry dies, where my past dies. i am creating a place where the Spirit of God can descend and give me what I really need, the presence of the living God. Lord, my soul is crying out for you and you alone. As the deer panteth for, thirsteth for the water, my soul longs for you. Come on, 30 more seconds with our hands raised. 30 more seconds. No distractions. Please don't look around. Please don't get captivated by anybody else. We create a space and a place of worship.